how beautiful it is to have faith in the face of unbelief. How beautiful it is to have hope in the face of hopelessness. How beautiful to own the blessed hope, the promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus. How beautiful to have Jesus Christ, who makes all good things possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 reads, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God gives us a small glimpse of the other side in advertisements placed in the beautiful book, Revelation 21, 1 through 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Revelation chapter 22, 1 through 6. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Entrance to these promises is accessed through the door Jesus calls born again. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Has it happened to you? Have you been born again, literally born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Today is your day of salvation. No matter how tough or hopeless you think your case is, your miracle is just minutes away. You can be born again now. Click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Psalms 19, verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God said, Psalms 119, verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Man said, the Bible has no real credibility. Everybody knows that. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 873. 
that will again solidly contend for the faith. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the saints and as God-truths from which to convince the gainsayer. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May the face of God shine upon you and your house. Years ago, a young salesman came to my office to present his product. In our conversation, the name of God arose, and he informed me that he was an agnostic, that God would have to be proven to him. On the counter sat the original God Said Man Said Proof series in cassette form. I gave it to the salesman and asked him to review it. Several days later, he called after reviewing the tapes and said he had a bone to pick with me. I felt impressed of God to respond, What you are really saying is that all of the loopholes have been closed and you're not willing to pay the price. The salesman admitted that that was the truth and then made a full confession for Christ. This is week six of the God Said, Man Said series, Undeniable Proof, Every Jot and Every Tittle. God Proof number 76, Genesis seventeen ten through 13. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house, or bought with the money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. It's just pure chance that 4,000 years ago, God commanded his men to be circumcised, and that medical scientists have reversed their opposition of circumcision and now recognize the biblical procedure as the leading weapon against the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Just a coincidence. God proof number 77, Genesis 17, verse 12, And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, Every man-child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. God commanded the male child to be circumcised on the eighth day. Why the eighth day? On the eighth day of the human lifespan, vitamin K, which causes blood to clot, reaches its peak. The very day God commanded circumcision to be performed. God said to circumcise the male child over 40 centuries before medical science had the foggiest idea of the benefits. He commanded it to be performed on the eighth day, just another proof that God is. God proof, number 78, Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Evolutionists claim that a proof of their theory is found in vestigial organs, an assumption that certain organs in the human body were once needed, but the process of evolution has rendered them useless. Evolutionists had once amassed around 200 vestigial, useless organs. 
In the November 3rd, 2012 issue of Science News, another vestigial bites the dust. A subhead in the feature reads, A primary cilium protrudes from a cell's surface. Once thought of as vestigial, these antenna-like structures turn out to be big players in human health. More information from the feature titled Nuve Antennas follows. Most cells in the body, from light-gathering eye cells to kidney cells to brain cells, sport a single prominent hair-like structure sticking out like an index finger flashing the number one sign. While cells can have other protrusions that serve as propellers or sweep away mucus and debris, the number one primary cilia doesn't whip or wiggle or brush anything along. For a long time, in fact, scientists have thought about primary cilia the way people think about their appendixes as vestigial organs that may once have had a purpose but are largely useless today. Evidence now suggests that primary cilia aren't just stray whiskers evolution hasn't gotten around to shaving off. Instead, these structures might be among the most important that a cell possesses. Scientists are coming to see primary cilia as a major means by which a cell communicates with the rest of the body. A single cilium is a cell's eyes and nose, GPS receiver, and even weather vane. End of quotes. The following excerpts are from Yahoo News, published August 24, 2009. The writer is Charles Q. Choi with LiveScience.com. The body's appendix has long been thought as nothing more than a worthless evolutionary artifact, good for nothing save a potentially lethal case of inflammation. Now researchers suggest the appendix is a lot more than a useless remnant. Not only was it recently proposed to actually possess a critical function, but scientists now find it appears in nature a lot more often than before thought. And it's possible some of this organ's ancient uses could be recruited by physicians to help the human body fight disease more effectively. In a way, the idea that the appendix is an organ whose time has passed has itself become a concept whose time is over. End of quote. Today's science has reduced the list of 200 useless vestibular organs to a big, fat zero. In spite of this knowledge, many evolutionists have failed to upgrade their unbelief and continue to cling and expound on vestigial organs. It is true that one can continue to live without some of the so-called vestigial organs, just like one can continue to live with only one eye or one foot, etc., but the quality of life is much better with all body parts functioning well. God proof number 79, Daniel chapter 9, 7 and 8. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither the house driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. When a nation and its people cast off the word of God, a condition occurs called confusion of face. The fruit of man's disobedience result in the devastating confusion caused by divorce, Men lying with men, women lying with women, gay marriage, and am I a boy or a girl? Which bathroom should I use? And over 50 million living babies butchered in the name of convenience. 
Answers Magazine, July-September 2016. According to new guidelines published by International Olympic Committee medical officials, transgender men may compete as women without undergoing sex reassignment surgery. The guidelines are likely to become rules for the 2016 Olympics. The guidelines suggest that men be allowed to compete as women as long as their testosterone level has remained below a certain level for at least 12 months prior to the competition. When we deny our Creator and His order, we exchange the truth for a lie. Eventually, like these Olympic officials, we end up believing nonsense even as we congratulate ourselves for our wisdom. Note, 43% of Americans agree with the statement. Evolution shows that no living thing is more important than any other, from a March 2016 poll by the Discovery Institute. Note, teens and young adults ages 13 to 24 believe not recycling is more immoral than viewing pornographic images. That's from August 2015 Barna poll. Note, 56% believe not recycling is always or usually wrong. 32% believe viewing pornographic image is always or usually wrong. End of quotes. That's just a few examples of confusion of face. God said proof number 80. Joshua chapter 11, verses 10 and 11, And Joshua at that time turned back and took Hazor, and smote the king thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. And they smote all the souls that were there, and with the edge of the sword utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe, and he burnt Hazor with fire. The archaeological minimalists have been minimalized. Researcher and author of the Bible is History, Warner Keller, writes this concerning Hazor. What has been discovered confirms in a striking way what the Bible has to say about the powerful role that Hazor played in Canaan at the time of the Israelite conquest. Hazor was, in fact, not only one of the largest settlements of the country, but also one of the strongest fortresses. In the 13th century B.C., it was destroyed, as the book of Joshua records. A layer of burnt rubble indicates a great conflagration about that time. Many scholars do not hesitate to attribute this burnt rubble to Joshua and his host, end of quote. Archaeologist and Professor Yigal Yaden writes in his book Hazor, The Rediscovery of a Great Citadel of the Bible. This is what he said. The striking similarity, similarity excuse me, between the size of Hazor as revealed by the excavations and its description in the Bible as the head of all those kingdoms, plus the insistence of the Bible, a biblical narrator that Hazor and only Hazor have been destroyed by Joshua and burned, leave little doubt, it seems, that we actually found the Canaanite city of Jabin that was destroyed by Joshua. In that case, the excavations of Hazor provided, for the first time, decisive archaeological data for fixing both Joshua's dates and, indirectly, the date of the exodus from Egypt, end of quote. To reiterate what was just mentioned, Yegan again writes, This evidence is substantiated in all the other areas of the lower city and is indeed among the most important and decisive archaeological testimonies ever uncovered in excavations concerning the date of the conquest of Joshua and indirectly of the exodus itself. 
The Bible is a reliable history book. Dr. Yaden said according uh, concerning the excavations at Hazor, hurting, uh, holding the Bible in one hand and a spade in the other seemed to be the most successful method of discovering the relics of that biblical city. Proof number 81, Genesis 17, 4 and 5. And as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. The father of Israel is Abraham, who lived approximately 4,000 years ago. He is known as the father of faith. The seed of faith that dwelt in him was Christ. Did this man Abraham truly exist? Was he just a figment of Hebrew folklore, as the skeptics claim? T.J. Daly records the following in his book, Mysteries of the Bible. At Karnak, archaeologists have deciphered a stele, or standing stone, on which Pharaoh Sheshong describes his triumphant campaign against Israel. Most of the perhaps 150 names on the stele have eroded and are unreadable. Of those that remain, perhaps 70 names come from the Negev, a desert in southern Israel. One of those has been identified by Egyptologists as the equivalent of the Hebrew Abram. The phrase where the name occurs reads, The Fort or Fortified Town of Abraham. Is the Abram of Fort Abram the biblical patriarch? Possibly. After all, the biblical Abraham lived in the Negev, where this Fort Abram was located. End of quote. The Fort of Abraham, just one more testimony that God's friend Abraham did exist. God proof number 82, Deuteronomy 3 through, through, 3 through 5. So the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og also, the king of Bashan, and all his people. And we smote him until none was left to him remaining. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them, three score cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars, beside unwalled towns a great many. Cambridge Essays in 1858 published the following writings of Cyril Graham under the title The Ancient Bashan and the Cities of Gog, Og. Excuse me. The following excerpt from Mr. Graham is taken from the book Giants, written by Charles Deloche. When we find one after another great stone cities walled and unwalled with stone gates and so crowded together that it becomes almost a matter of wonder how all the people could have lived in so small a place. When we see houses built of such huge and massive stones that no force which can be brought against them in that country could ever batter them down. When we find rooms in these houses so large and lofty that many of them would be considered fine rooms in a palace in Europe. And lastly, when we find some of these towns bearing names, which cities in that very country bore before Israelites came out of Egypt, I think we cannot help feeling the strongest conviction that we have before us, the cities of the Rephaim, of which we read in the book of Deuteronomy. End of quote. Rephaim mentioned above simply means giants. Flavius Josephus, one of the greatest historians of all time, writes the following in chapter 5 of the Antiquities of the Jews. For which reason they removed their camp to Hebron, and when they had taken it, they slew all the inhabitants. 
There were till then left the race of giants who had bodies so large and countenances so entirely different from other men that they were surprising to the sight and terrible to the hearing. The bones of these men are still shown to this very day unlike to any credible relations of other men. End of quote. Proof number 83. Deuteronomy 3, chapter 11. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it after the cubit of a man. King Og was the leader of the giants. Perhaps the first museum was in Rabbath of the children of Ammon, where Og's bed remained. If you use the 18-inch cubit, his bed would be 13 and a half feet long and 6 feet wide, or based on the 22-inch cubit, 16 and a half feet long and 7 feet 4 inches wide. Give him a foot for head and toe clearance, and you have a giant of 12 and a half to 15 and a half feet tall. It is reported that German scholar Gustav Daumann discovered the bed of the giant king just where God said it sat. Proof number 84. Deuteronomy eleven eight and 9. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, and to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. When a Russian professor associated with the Longevity Institute studied the centenarians of Russia's famed Caucasus Mountains, he found they had one thing in common. They were mostly beekeepers, and their principal foods were products of the hive. They kept the raw honey and sold the processed honey to the general public. Some lived to be 150 years of age. Raw honey is the perfect food and a source of rapidly supplied energy. It requires no intermediate steps for proper digestion. White sugar is a killer. Americans consume 150 pounds plus of it each year. Many of man's sugar substitutes are highly dangerous. The disclaimer on the sweet and low package reads, Use of this product may be hazardous to your health. This product contains saccharin, which has been determined to cause cancer in laboratory animals. Raw honey is a living food containing a host of powerful nutrients. It has twice the sweetening power of sugar. Raw honey is powerful deterrent to gastric ulcers. Raw honey promotes the rapid healing of wounds. Research claims that raw honey even protects against tooth decay and gum disease. Raw honey may prevent certain cancers from recurring. Raw honey is antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant. In 1994, Australia approved honey as a medicine. Raw honey increases calcium absorption, can increase hemoglobin count, and treats and prevents anemia caused by nutritional factors and more. End of quote. In God's Owner's Manual for Man, the Holy Bible, honey is given a position of great honor. Even the land of promise is dubbed the land of milk and honey. Honey and the honeycomb are mentioned in the Word of God 62 times. Long before modern science had the foggiest understanding of the phenomenal benefits of the products of the beehive, God said yes, an insight that only the Creator could know. Raw honey should be on everybody's supper table. God proof number 85, Genesis chapter 2 verse 9 and chapter 3, 22 through 24. And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. 
the tree of life also, in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword, which turned every way, to keep the way of the tree of life. Was there actually a tree of life that if one ate of it, one would live forever? Do ancient non-biblical records say yes? Early Babylonian inscriptions abound in references to a tree of life from which man was driven by the influence of an evil spirit personified in a serpent and to which he was prevented from returning by guardian cherubs. Among the information on these tablets is the story of Adapa, so strikingly parallel uh, to the biblical story of Adam that he is called the Babylonian Adam. Adapa, the seed of mankind, the wise man of Eridu, blameless, then he offended the gods, through knowledge, then he became mortal, food of life he ate not, sickness he imposed on the people, the gods said he shall not rest, they clothed him with a mourning garment. See Price's Monuments in the Old Testament. Other traditions of the fall of man include the Persians. Our first parents, innocent, virtuous, and happy, lived in a garden where there was a tree of immortality until an evil spirit in the form of a serpent appeared. Hindu. In the first age, man was free from evil and disease, had all his wishes, and lived long. Greek. The first men in the golden age were naked, free from evil and trouble, enjoyed communion with the gods. Chinese. Had a tradition of a happy age, when men had an abundance of food surrounded by peaceful animals. Mongolians and and Tibetans had similar traditions. Teutons, the the prime evil race, enjoyed a life of perpetual festivity. All barbarous races have traditions of a more civilized state. The original story of the Garden of Eden was no doubt told by Adam to Methuselah, and Methuselah to Noah, and by Noah to his sons, and in the national cultures that followed, it became variously and grossly modified. End of quotes. Greek literature speaks of the first woman created and tells of mysterious box given unto her by one of the Greek gods for the purpose of punishing mankind. The following paragraph is from Wikipedia under the heading Pandora's Box. Pandora had been given a large jar and instruction by Zeus to keep it closed, but she had also been given the gift of curiosity and ultimately opened it. When she opened it, all of the evils, ills, diseases, and burdensome labor that mankind had not known previously escaped from the jar, but it is said that at the very bottom of her box there lay hope. End of quote. The commonality of accounts is the product of a common root. If you have yet to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, if you are still clinging to your unbelief, note that all of your loopholes have been closed. Today, you are in the valley of decision. Click on the further with Jesus now. Choose life and live. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Psalms 19, verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
God said, Psalms 119, 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Man said, The Bible has no real credibility. Everybody knows that. Now you have the record.